0: hello welcome to episode number nine of self-improvement and spirituality in practice blooming with gracie hu today i'm going to talk about how free is your will because yes you have will but the thing is are you really using it in the uh, very conscious way or the choices you make are because you were conditioned to think in specific ways and then you make more predictable choices yes this is another episode to provoke deep reflections about your life Gracie here I've been a therapist for 18 years an astrologer with 33 years of studies already and i'm also an independent spiritualist from brazil my proposal here is to help you deal better with yourself with others and with life because everything has a why a what for and a how and if you want to understand certain situations and change your reality for better and if you want also to evolve as a human being So, stay here and let's have a conversation. I'll start by saying that today I will shake your head, your thoughts and the way you see yourself, your life, and everything. (laughs) I'm warning you, be brave, okay? (laughs) So, today I'm continuing the subject I approached uh, in the last episode when I talked about when and where your will is not free and does not work. And uh, in this episode, I'm going to talk about when and where your will is free and really works. But the question is, are you making a good use of your will? So, to begin with, it's necessary to make it very clear that for life, with a capital L, the degree of will that a being has at a given moment in their evolutionary trajectory depends directly on their level of consciousness and as this can vary enormously over several lifetimes and even over an incarnation, the ability to choose also changes over time and especially with experience, of course, and as a result I prefer not to use the term free will but only will Because for the vast majority, still little evolved, it's not that free. There are several elements that can really interfere and even overlap an individual's will and therefore limit their will without them realizing it, leading them to choose more by induction than on their own initiative. And uh, what are those? elements let me list them for you here like for example beliefs acquired ready from the outside from people like parents teachers and society in general Um, beliefs deduced by guess. beliefs obtained from experience for example and if you had like a bad experience you may be if not even traumatize it. But that bad experience can develop a certain way of acting in the future, like basically more having a fear of going through the same situation. So fear really limits someone's choices in life, right? Because it diminishes the level of courage. Other things, habits. Or conditioning, basically. Mm -hmm. Even acquired in past incarnations, it doesn't matter. Other things, um, opinions of others accepted willingly or unwillingly, like for example, emotional blackmail and coercion, manipulation, or if someone tries to make you behave in the way they want and not respecting your will, being very authoritarian or bossy, it doesn't matter the kind of pressure they try to put on you. If you accept that pressure, then you are acting much more accordingly to their will than yours. And another element that can interfere is uh, heredity, and physical limitations or deficiencies because depending on your body's condition there are things you can do and there are things you cannot do like regular people, for example. Likewise, the subliminal message contained in the media, guilt or any other means used by the ego to impose its desires, also hypnotic or Telepathic induction of other beings, or maybe if you are, for example, in a place, because we can, in somehow very subtle way, perceive the energy around us and even um, thoughts from other people without realizing they are not ours. And uh, if you are dealing with someone very magnetic with a strong magnetism you can be induced to act in some way or think in some way because the other person's will is so strong and powerful that really can dominate yours and you won't really realize it. You feel like an authority about them and you react accordingly to it. And I mentioned guilt. Guilt is a very um, powerful thing to restrict someone's will because the person is guided by feelings of punishment, right? So, of course, they are actually not as free as they think they are. Other things that can interfere, lack of emotional discipline. Imagine someone who is so dramatic and gets impressed very easily by little things, and uh, this lack of emotional discipline can lead someone to not really act but actually react instinctively to things without really thinking and uh, also psychic disturbances like uh, neurosis, uh, schizophrenia, hallucinations when someone can't really control what goes on in their mind, so of course they won't have much choice, conscious choice uh, about their behavior or even their own thoughts. Other things, ravishing passions. If you are so in love with someone, so crazily in love, then you, you won't think clearly, right? You will be moved much more by your desires than by your common sense. Actually, you can lose your common sense if you have any. Also, I have to talk about insatiable appetites, um, uncontrollable or irrepressible desires and uh, addictions and compulsions. and Any kind of compulsion or addiction, actually, it really limits someone's well, it's because they act like a robots following um, a programming. They just don't think what... They just know what they want or what their body wants or needs, but they don't really think clearly if that's really a need or not. You know, it's so compulsive that the, the behavior becomes more in the autopilot mode. Mm. There is also the energetic influence from the environment or from people and it doesn't matter if they are incarnated or disincarnated. So those people to whom you can feel attached and also mental suggestions from disincarnated beings because we are so in the middle of the collective unconscious that uh, how can you say that something that goes in your mind is really yours, one thought of yours, or you catch it from the collective unconscious? You can't be so sure of it, and it's not only with thoughts you have that goes in your mind, but also desires and uh, you know the, the will to do something. Most of the time, we are so in- influenced by this, External triggers that we don't realize they are not really ours. And uh, when I said mental suggestion of disincarnated beings, I meant that they can be mentors, spiritual mentors, or spiritual obsessors. Because here in Brazil, we study a lot about. Uh, relationship and influences from the other side, you know, spirits. And uh, the principle of a spiritual obsessor is someone who doesn't have a physical body and tries to impose their will over someone who has a physical body. So they like whisper thoughts, trying to make someone do what they want and basically, they don't respect someone's will. That's why they are called obsessors. And but if you have a spiritual mentor trying to help you, you can have like a feeling of doing something, or you can have you are planning to do to go to a certain place, and then you had this this thought just not to go there. You can think, well. I was really thinking about going that place. I I don't know why I'm feeling not going anymore. It can be your spiritual mentor warning you because there's something there that won't be good for you. And uh, this is also why I prefer to use only the term will as we do not always choose and act as freely as we like to believe. There are so many factors that can really influence our will and most of the restrictions on one's will come from themselves or from the impositions of others or the world which they allow of course in some way to restrict their freedom there is also the case of the person who doesn't always act as they should for their growth and insists on being static. and when they do not regress in their condition So, if someone insists on not evolving in their consciousness, like in a furious and spoiled rebellion against life, actually, deep inside, it's a choice, right? It it doesn't matter if it is conscious or not. If you are so frustrated that life didn't win the way you want it, you can refuse to go on, right? And there are so many people that really believe this. If life was not as i wanted it to have been then i won't be so you know i won't have that goodwill to live anymore and this kind of tantrum childlike behavior it's very typical of people with enormous wounded pride and is tolerable only for a certain time after which life with well naturally activates the mechanism of pain and suffering In order to force a positive reaction and as I always say there are two ways to change in life by choice using intelligence and by coercion which is through pain when life really forces someone to change then freedom of choice is in this case when life has to use force freedom of choice is confiscated so to speak, until the necessary inner change to adapt to the new reality occurs. So basically, it works like this. You are free to do what you want as long as you follow and fulfill your soul's purpose. From the moment you refuse to do this, starting to contradict her, and I call, for me, um, I use the word soul in feminine because it is feminine in portuguese so from the moment you refuse to do what your soul wants starting to contradict her excessively or trying to screw her up then she changes her procedure takes command with short reins and determined can make your life a living hell until you get tired of suffering and give in to her will Do not underestimate the power of your soul as just as she performs wonderful miracles in your life, she's also capable of creating unbearable difficulties, like really insurmountable obstacles, painful losses of psychological crutches, for example, and also your soul can create desperate loneliness, and inner emptiness, and whatever it takes, and you can take it as whatever become functional to stop you from listening to your ego and resume the path of evolution. Freedom resides in the head, in the mental concepts that determine emotional reactions and actions. The free being, is the one who dominates his weaknesses and does not succumb to external influence. That's it. And it's necessary that he perceives the extent to which he is a slave to the desires of the body and the ego to later use his power of decision. If he has no idea how and how much he's governed despite his conscious will, He tends to think it's normal to live like that. Especially since this is the way followed by so many around, right? Habit is an enemy of free will. And why is that? Because when you adopt conditioning, you give up your creative capacity for the comfort of turning on autopilot and not having to think or make decisions to do something. That's very comfortable, right? Right? And this comfortable behavior also appears in those who prefer to follow the old customs of others, which pass from generation to generation with the name of tradition. This is the case, for example, of children who imitate their parents and grandparents without further questioning, even if they are not happy or don't have completely satisfactory results. The argument is, if it worked reasonably for them, it should work for me. And that's the case of a young person who has the will, the, the desire to pursue a specific career, but their family has a business and they decide to work on that business because they don't want to face their family and impose their will. or their cases, for example, also that you have families where the parents or one of the parents is a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer. And since the the person is still a baby, a child, the family tries to make their head by always saying, oh, when you grow up, you will be a doctor like your father, uh, a lawyer like your mother, and then Those individuals are raised to believe that that will be their future profession and they don't even question it, right? But at some point, if the young person has a stronger personality, they will try to, it's not impose their will, but to fight for their desires in life. But if the family doesn't support them, then they can give in of their own dreams, because, you know, emotional dependence, is because they don't want to go against their families, the uh, people they love. So in this case, their will, they have it, but they are not using for their own good, right? It can be the case of adult people who never fulfilled their dreams because they followed what their family wanted them to do or be. Frustration is the main consequence, right? So, leaving aside their own nature and giving up the right to be themselves, many wear other people's costumes and incorporate characters interpreted by others Starting to copy them and even repeating their lives. Like, for example, a daughter who marries at approximately the same age as her mother did, with a man who looks like her father, raises her children the same way she was raised, and despite striving to do differently in some points that considered flawed and trying to be more successful, and uh, she ends up making the same mistakes as her mother. Taking and following a finished model instead of inventing a new one adapted to the particularities of the temperament may seem easier and even safer. However, it is not a guarantee of success and happiness and it really limits the ability to improvise and choose. There are people who don't want to have work, who don't want to have challenges and headaches. They just want to live life since they are incarnated and need to survive. In this case, laziness, lack of initiative and will reject a greater dose of will and freedom, making the person more subject to general outside influences and including hunches and decisions made by others for them since their greatest interest lies in survival and the pursuit of physical comfort, not in the realization of their spirit. The more authentic person who accepts himself as he is and is really himself, despite the standards of society and the expectations and opinions of others, this individual has a greater dose of own will and courage to make choices different from the passive mass or induced by the desires of others. And being more sincere with himself, he does not allow himself to be limited by conventions and takes the reins of his life with determination and firmness. Then, of course, he is someone who makes greater use of his power of choice, Also, he may be dominated by worldly ambitions, fear of failure, competitiveness in the professional aspect and the search for a partner, and all the minor motivations of the ego, which so imprison the being, right? And the ego really works against us with its illusion of where our happiness is. It's very comfortable to believe that everything that happens especially bad things, is God's will. And this is a very old theory, repeated for centuries without question by many. But it does not really explain why, and it often sounds difficult to accept, right? Because how can a good, fair and merciful God be able to inflict suffering on good, charitable and decent people? such an attitude seems more consistent with a sadistic and authoritarian being, right? If not vindictive, who acts on a whim, where is coherence in this case, in this way of perceiving God? In my opinion, this is a weak, simplistic and distorted interpretation which was learned through repetitive and consoling education. The truth is that God created the laws of life to keep the universe in order, regulating our actions. If we are not interested in knowing and also studying these laws, and if we don't know how to act properly, insisting on creating negative effects on our lives, that's another question. God does not meddle as he has already endowed us with the will. And being in ignorance is a choice. You have the right of not only being ignorant about how life works, its laws, and but also you have the right to remain in ignorance. But at some point, life will force you to evolve, you know, to expand your consciousness. So, I think... Learning about how life works and changing our attitude for better results is the most sensible option. Ignorance is not beautiful to behold and really causes much pain and suffering worldwide. Since we are going to have to endure the consequences of what we create in our existence, it's preferable to pay attention to the patterns in which we invest and select the ones that give the most pleasant results, right? This is using will intelligently. This is being wise. And even if the circumstances are unpleasant and unavoidable, there's still a choice as how to react to them, which makes all the difference. People conditioned by drama, pessimism, and any negative reaction suffer much more, while those who prefer calm, balance, impartiality, and common sense are less disturbed by the same situations. There is always a choice. But unfortunately, the human being tends to react without thinking, and in the same way, generally negative and not constructive, So people are like robots many times, you know, reacting and thinking and reacting when they face the same type of situation. To weaken the power of the conditioning habit, it is necessary self-mastering or what I call self-possession. Be really in charge of not only your life, but in charge of your head, your thoughts, and your choices. Be in charge of yourself, actually. The fact is, the will influences several areas of life, but not all, where it cannot act. Power rests with the forces of the unconscious and the soul, which also has the last word on the areas dominated by it. After all, the soul is our divine essence, and much more lucid and powerful than the conscious mind. Of course, the conscious mind makes the everyday choices, but what is really guiding your conscious mind? As I said, is it a habit, something you learn from other people, choices other people made before and you're following? It's very likely that your choices are not being guided by your soul, especially if you are too rational and too, you. if you have a very logical mind and you are not in contact with your higher self. Putting it in proportions, it could be said that only a small percentage is in the hands of our conscious mind or our lower self. Most of it is within the scope of the unconscious and invisible higher forces such as the soul and the forces of life. So, for things to flow positively in our life, there must be a combination of both aspects. That is, we need to act in union and harmony with the invisible, not in conflict with it. When the soul wants the conscience to follow a certain line of action because she needs this corporation to carry out, of course, she sends signals to guide the will if we perceive and follow them and intuition is one of the ways our soul communicates with us and also there's another way through sensations in our chest if your soul wants you to do something just the idea of it gives you a good sensation it's how your soul validates that idea of doing something and uh, if your soul doesn't want you to do something. The sensation will be bad. You will feel uncomfortable with it, like uh, thinking about going to a specific place, and then suddenly you feel that what I call "not going" <laughs> sensation. You know, it's like a, a non-will to do something. So you have the intuition and you have the sensations in your chest. If you can perceive an follow those signals from your soul, then you do your part and create the necessary conditions for the invisible forces to work for your good easily without feeling discomfort or pain. Then you are really not only in contact with the invisible but really working with it and not against it and of course working for your good. However, If we do not cooperate for our growth and fulfillment of our soul, we can reach the point of physical pain and even illness, which is always a warning that we are not going the right way and we can do better. It serves to show that some attitude of ours is damaging the balance and the good progress of our existence. Any discomfort or... Illness in your body is always the way your unconscious or your soul is talking to you. You are going the wrong way. Through the will, we can choose how much importance we place on things, on situations, and on people, as well as on ways of seeing, thinking, feeling, acting, and reacting. This is under our control. We regulate according to our will. So, just as I put importance, I can also take it out and at any time I want. And being aware of this, this power makes a lot of difference. It's really taking charge of the boat itself, and in this way, being able to sail through calmer waters, than those who live in the blindness and impotence caused by ignorance. That's why deep and real knowledge makes a huge difference in creating a better life or being just a powerless victim of circumstances. Actually, the subject of will is very vast and complex, And I don't want to discuss the question of the power of choice here in spiritual terms. That is, the reincarnation programming done, when this happens to be done, before birth, and how much one can renegotiate this programming in life, as this is an even deeper discussion. I only intend to keep the subject at a more superficial and immediate level, but just as important. We like to think that we are free to do what we want after all. This gives a feeling of power, right? Only that, in daily life, it's not quite like that and not so much due to external circumstances. That is events beyond our control, which are usually called destiny. In practice, we are the ones who limit our will, and the lot actually, without realizing it, or we let certain ideas limit us, whatever, doesn't matter, but you are in charge. Or if you are not really in charge, then you are giving your power of choice to something else, someone else, or, you know, some idea that doesn't work uh, well for you, doesn't help you to expand your consciousness and um, exercise your discernment to learn how to choose better and better, to make even better choices in your life. And that's why fear is not productive in this way, because if you... Fear something, then you don't allow yourself to go have an experience, right? It's like uh, keeping yourself closed at home and not going out to actually live. How can you grow if you are not living? How can you grow if you are not having experiences? Right. if you're protecting yourself so much that you are actually spoiling yourself. A person who has grown up absorbing a series of beliefs about right and wrong, good and bad, normal and abnormal, obviously has what I call a procedure manual for both themselves and others around them. Those who have a more radical... And limited vision based on black and white can hardly see intermediate shades of gray and those shades of gray are really much more than 50 shades (laughs) and uh, this person already shows less flexibility in the points of view therefore it is common for them to present um, an internal controlling voice you know that the voice that is right, is critical, and even authoritarian, which does not admit behavior outside the expectations. And, as I mentioned before, someone moved by his soul acts based on feelings, that is, he first considers whether or not he wants to do something, and uh, he's very honest with himself and very spontaneous. On the other side many people influenced by an education full of rules act based on the mental being constantly directed by a small voice in the head it is the what I call the subpersonality, personality the sabotaging subpersonality, personality which is annoying demanding always dissatisfied and relentless and this unconscious sub-personality in their head doesn't forgive any slip-up and uh, it immediately goes for condemnation and punishment. And so basically this sub-personality is very vain and um, lives preoccupied with what others can think, what others can say and do, and it suffers from a complex of perfection. Is extremely pretentious and doesn't admit errors or less than just the perfect performance. Anyway, this subpersonality is a dramatic, cruel and saboteur mad one and what makes it more dangerous is precisely the person's ignorance of its existence. The more unconscious it remains, the sabotaging subpersonality, the more power it has. After all, there is no vigilance and no limits are imposed by the individual, right? If you are not aware that there is a voice inside of you, really in charge of your life, of your decisions, then you cannot defend yourself, you cannot impose your will to it, right? So, I have a very important question to make here. Are the choices you have made in your life really yours, of your essence, or are they dictated by neurotic voices in your head without you realizing it? To what extent have you not learned to think in a certain way according to your family, friends, and even religion, for example? To what extent have you not learned to think in a certain way instead of having developed your own opinions? Because if so, your choices are more likely to be driven by other people's beliefs and you don't even realize it. So in the end, your will is much less than you think since you gave your power of choice to others. You know what is the height of absurdity? Is the subject, the person who stops doing something he feels like for fear. Listen to this. For fear of what his parents might think and say. Like if their parents would complain, criticize and condemn him. Even so... He's already a certain age, you know, like a mature man and his parents are far away or dead. It can be a woman also, it doesn't matter. Then it's the voice of other people, distant or dead parents echoing and bossing around in their head. That's very crazy, right? That's why it's so important to pay attention to your choices, your decisions, who is really making them. If you have a voice in your head, you know, really in charge of your life, of if it's you really who is in control, who is mastering your head. Because you can have so many voices inside of you telling you what to do. And it doesn't matter, especially voices of from your parents, that's very common. And the people who are so emotionally dependent on them that the choices they make are based on what their parents would think, if they would like it or not, if they would approve it or not. That's, well, so neurotic and crazy, right? One thing very important here to say, to accept an idea as true is to give importance to it and over time, it can be believed that this way of thinking reflects the reality or represents what reality should be when it's only a personal point of view. The things you believe in dictate trends in thinking and behavior that, with continuous and frequent repetition, end up becoming strong habits and conditioning. Thus, limiting your will. You won't be so free in your will if you have habits and conditioning guiding you. So, without realizing that people condition themselves to think, feel, act and react in the same way to similar situations, which brings about similar results in their life. Of course, it creates a pattern that is always repeating over time. When the repetition of the same negative effects becomes too obvious, creating a pattern, these people usually justify it with the concept of karma, adopting an attitude of a resigned and impotent or even angry victim. They do not realize that they themselves created their destiny with beliefs fed with time, sometimes decades and even lives. They only reap the fruits of the seeds planted and cultivated carelessly, right? Of course, moral of the story, be careful with the thoughts you nurture as they shape your character, your choices and your life. The most basic level of use of the will begins when we choose to give importance to a thought or not. From there, a feeling or desire related to it and the decision of a corresponding action may arise. So, depositing importance or not in a thought is a choice. And like everything you do, it has consequences. Therefore, it is essential to pay attention to the processes Of the mind in order to select well the seeds that are planted. What are you planting in your mind? Mental patterns, what is believed and given importance, create emotional patterns which influence and determine choices, which in turn shape destiny. And there are patterns kept in the subconscious that come from past lives, not all of which were acquired from other people, especially parents, or created by the individual in the current incarnation. If the response given to a situation results in physical or psychological suffering, to insist on it under similar circumstances is to insist on pain, So, to achieve a different result, it is necessary to adopt a different attitude. And it's by being aware of this that you can learn to choose better or to mature your will. The evolutionary process leads to the responsible maturation of the will. Knowing how to choose wisely is one of the greatest difficulties and challenges for all of us. Also, it's more for some than for others, of course. We were not given the option of not choosing. And why is that? Because even not choosing is already a choice. Becoming aware of your own power of choice, which begins with mental activity, allows you to take charge of your life. This is true freedom we can and must select what we feed or not in us, what we give importance to and make grow and stay strong in us, in our mind. Attention and discernment make a big difference because ignorance can be comfortable, but it's always a prison. So, the more you monitor and dominate your thoughts, nurturing the positive and healthy ones in a conscious and responsible way, the freer your will becomes, as you do not let yourself be influenced and guided by the preconceived ideas of others. And the worst ideas are the ones that feed the fear of something. By extension, your choices in life turn out to be really yours, and you learn to take responsibility for them regardless of whether the results are pleasant or not. This is being mature. This is evolve, your, expand your consciousness. So, do you realize how, even without wanting to and without knowing, you are the one who determines how free your will is throughout the successive existence you have? In general, the power of choice that we enjoy is proportional to the growth we have achieved so far, as the will increases with the evolution of consciousness, of course. And as you mature your discernment, your consciousness conquers the ability to choose even better. And of course you need to go through different experiences in your life, you need to experience different situations, relationships and get to know different people and uh, exercise your discernment and see what is best for you. The most important thing is that you are aware of the choices you make in your life. Being in a relationship with this kind of person is not good for me because I suffered before. That's why it's so important to be in contact with other people, even with distance, social distancing, right? In the quarantine. Then you can see how many different types of people there are in the world. So you can really be more aware of yourself. This is about self-knowledge, right? You know yourself by relating to other people, what you really like in someone or not, And then you can choose your relationships better. The kind of people you can have around you, you can choose to have around you in your life. So living and going through different and maybe crazy experiences in life is not a choice. We have to exercise our discernment, expand our consciousness and uh, learn how to choose better. It's like when we gain more and more confidence and freedom from our parents, as we grow up and show that we already have the maturity and responsibility to take bigger steps. Or does someone in good conscience release a small child in the middle of the street without paying attention to what he does? Or let a teenager take a car alone to do whatever he wants without limits? So, as we grow in our consciousness and become more responsible for our decisions, their consequences, we will receive naturally more freedom to choose in life. And uh, then our will will be the same, but we will have more freedom to choose. And to finish this episode, I will leave you with three thoughts. First, not choosing is also a choice. Number two, sowing is free, but harvesting is mandatory. We used to say this in the spiritual circles here in Brazil. And the last thought, to each one is given according to their merits. I told you I was going to shake your head with this episode. (laughs) I warned you. (laughs) Now your consciousness can go back to the same as before you're listening to this, right? (laughs) You can participate in the podcast by sending a voice message through the link in my Instagram bio, which is at GracieHu G-R-E-I-C-Y-H-O-O. Or you can reach me on Instagram to DM me a comment, a question or a suggestion. If you like this podcast, subscribe on your favorite platform to receive new episodes or follow me on Instagram to find out when there will be a new one on the air. Stay well and we'll talk again in the next episode.